0: Welcome back to the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. This is episode number seven. I have a very special guest today. He started out kind of like me, buying an e-bike online, then he started modifying it, and one thing led to another, and he did something pretty crazy. So I'm going to let him fill you in on where things have gone. This is Hushman Morafi, from Colorado and this is the Bolton E-Bikes podcast episode number 7. Okay, I have Hushman on the line with me today and I think this is going to be a really interesting story for all of you that are listening because I have someone who kind of like me got interested in electric bikes several years ago and all of a sudden he's taking it to a whole New level, other than just being an e bike hobby type person. So, I'm not going to spoil it. I'll let him share that. But, Hushman, thank you for being on the show today.
1: Uh, hi, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Let's hear a little bit about your story. How did you first hear about electric bikes? What was your first experience? Kind of what got the ball rolling for you?
1: So, sounds great, Carl. Thank you very much for including me in your podcast shows. Like many other people, I stumbled on Sondor's Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign back in 2015. I didn't really know what to expect. I uh, decided to try it out. And at the time, my thought was that I used to cycle all the time. I had gotten away from it. And this would be a fun way to get back into biking. So six months later, the bike arrived in this giant box. I put it together and I liked it. I started commuting to work.
0: Were you surprised that it showed up at the price point and everything it was offered at?
1: I knew something would show up. My thought (laughs) was, it's going to cost me $700. I'm going to try it out. I'll either give it to my son to ride it around the neighborhood, or I will donate it. That's where my thought was. And when the bike arrived, I was very pleasantly surprised. It wasn't a $10,000 bike by no means, but it was clearly a bicycle that I could ride. And so I started commuting to work. And everything was great. Like many others, I started putting a couple of bags on a rack on it. And I was perfectly happy with the basic stock bike, 350 watts. And frankly, I didn't know much about the power, the wattage, none of it. All I knew was, here's a bicycle, I can pedal to work. So what happened was, after a couple of months, a friend and I, we decided to take two of our sondors, the two sondors that we had, to the top of Mount Avenue. Now, mind you, I used to do the Vail Pass. I live in Colorado. So I'm used to doing these mountain bike rides, but I've never done them on an e-bike. And I thought this was great. I'm out of shape and here we go. So we get up there and I start pedaling. And yeah, we went through two batteries to get up there. These, Remember, these were the original 36-volt bottle batteries.
0: Yeah, like eight amp hours and (laughs) they weren't very big.
1: That's right. So we get up there and life is good, we end up coming down, and everything's great. And I'm proud of myself that I was able to paddle Mount Evans without any training, life is good. Lo and behold, the bike dies two weeks later. Uh Apparently, I had fried the motor. So now I have a dead bike on my hand, and I'm thinking what to do. So many people, when they find themselves in a situation like this, The first thing they want to do is contact the company and blame the company for whatever the issues are. Right. I didn't take that approach. I wanted to figure out how to fix this thing. I'm an engineer by trade. I've been in technology for many years. So let's just say I researched it and I researched it and I researched it. Along the way, I was able to buy the parts I needed. And in those days, there were no Bolton bikes available with parts that I could reach out to. So I'm buying parts on eBay and AliExpress. Yeah, wherever
0: you could find them at that point in time.
1: That's right. And I don't even know if they're going to work or not, but I'm doing my thing. And I worked with a bicycle shop here in Denver, and we were able to fix the bike, replace the motor, and so on. However... What I decided to do is if I'm going to replace the motor, I might as well upgrade the bike to something more powerful so it can handle Mount Evans and Pike Speak.
0: Right. No sense having it fail again in another two weeks, right?
1: That's right. So I was able to upgrade the bike to a 750 watt. A single speed bike became a seven speed bike. Battery became a 52 volt battery. I upgraded the controller. And suddenly, I have this powerful bike that I can easily do El Pass, Mount Evans, bike speak with. But that's how when you get the bug and you just don't want to let go, I started thinking, what would it be like to build an all-wheel drive bike? So I continued figuring out how to make a dual-drive bicycle. So I found the front motor. Again, I ordered it. I worked with a bicycle shop to lace the motor into a matching wheel to what I had in the rear and dual everything. Two displays, two batteries, two controllers. And I was able to figure out how to set up the PAS system so with every crank of uh, pedals, both motors will get activated and how to balance the load between the front, the rear. So you could operate this bike as all-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, rumble wheel drive, and any power combination that you want to do.
0: Effectively, you had two separate systems, two separate controllers, two separate motors on the bike, but they worked together in a way that made sense and made it pretty seamless for the most part.
1: That's right. So now I am like, wait, bail pass is no longer enough. Let's go try bike speed. <laughs> So since then, I have done uh, several other builds. I even customized one of the frames, one of the Saunders frames, into a cargo bike with a 60-volt battery system that, frankly, if I was going to ride from Colorado to California, that would be the bike that I would take. I've got plenty of room for storage. I have been playing with solar panels I haven't figured out how to carry a 100-watt solar panel on the back of my battery. I have to use a trailer. But the concept here is, how do I become self-sufficient? That if I want to push the boundaries and ride cross-country, how am I able to do it?
0: That'd be a lot of fun. I think I've had a few customers ask me if I could build something like that. I've had some ideas, and none of that's quite happened. Maybe there'll be things that come out on the YouTube channel, but it sounds like we're on some of the same... Thoughts? You want a bike that can just go as far as you dare to ride it.
1: (laughs) That's right. So since then, two years in a row, another friend and I, we have been doing the Pikes Peak ride. So this year, we're going to do it in September. That would be our third attempt at Pikes Peak.
0: How many feet in elevation up is that ride?
1: So Pikes Peak from the gate to the top of the mountain is 19 miles. It's 6,300 feet of climbing. Nice. Nice. And yeah, there is temperature changes. You have to also be able to control your bike. And truthfully, going uphill isn't the hard part. It's coming down the mountain is the harder part.
0: (laughs) You got to be able to stop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you need to be able to stop. And frankly, you're moving faster than all the cars, even the motorcycles. So on the way down, I, I was able to reach 46 miles an hour coming down. And you're doing these sharp corners at 20, 25 miles an hour. So the ability to control your bike is paramount. A lot of the sections on that ride don't have guardrails. So you tend to ride in the closer to the yellow lane in the middle in order to be able to control it and so forth. But it's a flat And I would love it if you travel to Colorado and we will ride it together one of these days.
0: That sounds like an awesome, awesome ride. That would make for an awesome Video. I can picture it already.
1: Yeah. So that was my journey into building bikes and and adapting a lifestyle. But there was something else that I desired for. I have been in the corporate world for 30 plus years, and I was reaching a point that I didn't have too many things to accomplish. I wanted it to do something for myself. I wanted it to be part of a community and part of an industry that I enjoy that I wanted to be part of. I'm also uh, reaching a level that I started exploring, what can I do or what I want to do? And this is the interesting part. A year and a half ago, my wife and I, we were talking about this, and we both realized that we could continue working in the big uh, for big companies, and life is great. And we have a hobby on the side. She can do her knitting, and I can do my biking and so forth. But we wanted it to do something more for ourselves and for the community. So I started exploring business opportunities related to e-bikes and there are many different ways to go about this. Absolutely. Yeah, so I started exploring that what do I want to do with e-bikes and what is it that I enjoy the most? And one of the things I realized I love working with people and I love helping people and uh, promoting ideas and so forth. And For me, that was the opportunity I was looking for. So I kept looking and sometimes last year I discovered there is an e-bike store here in Denver. Uh, In one time, they were one of the largest e-bike stores in the country, best e-bikes USA. And the owners were considering to retire. They wanted it to start traveling and they didn't want it to work seven days a week and so forth. So we started talking about, what opportunities out there. At first, we explore partnerships. I can buy into the business. And we were contemplating what to do. But it reached a point that they had a desire to step down and step away from the store and focus on their grandkids and health and so on. So it was a scary thought. But in late 2019, I left my corporate life and I walked away. I was an executive in a cable company. I walked away from it and we made an agreement with the previous owners and I purchased an e-bike store here in Colorado in the Stapleton area. So we closed the store, the contract a week ago. So I'm only at it for a week and i am you can't imagine how excited I am.
0: <laughs> I think I can.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can. I know you can. So I bought a store and some people actually question my sanity openly. What are you thinking? Are you crazy? (laughs) Why do you want to walk away from a secure career to do something in retail? And I have my reasons, which I would love to share with you. But I decided that I want to do this. I want to do something that's fun. I've enjoyed building bikes. I've enjoyed helping people, promoting a lifestyle. Here's my chance to do even more. And It's not about the money, it's more about the lifestyle, and it's more about how I can make a change and do something that's meaningful. And for me, was, let's start with a bicycle store.
0: Well, I just have to say congratulations, not only for being able to step away from the corporate job, but just jumping in and buying an e-bike store and doing something that you love and you want to do. I think there's going to be a lot of happy people (laughs) because of that in the Colorado area.
1: Well, well, thank you, Carl. And I'm looking forward to working with you on, you know, some of the experiences you've had. I'm hoping to learn from you and how we can do it. Now, to me, having a bicycle store is not just about selling bikes. There's a little bit more to it. And this is kind of a funny situation. That first bike that I burnt and, you know, I rebuilt it and then I added a few more bikes. It got to the point that my wife one day said, get these bikes out of my garage.
0: How many were in there? Do you want to admit that?
1: Uh, Let's just say there were more than eight.
0: (laughs) Okay, that gives us an idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and when I say more than eight, let's just say double digits. Okay. And, And frankly, there were, you know, people would, I would buy bicycles or I would fix bicycles or I would build something and a friend come along and they would say, I'm looking for a bike and I would say, here, you can have them. And I wasn't making any money at it. I was just trying to help them out and then I would stumble on other bike. I would buy it, and we would go through this whole thing. And along the way, I created a YouTube channel to promote what I was doing, and I called it Sondor's Adventure Series. It was more about the ride. You know, here's a Pike's Peak ride. Here's Mount Evans. Here's Vale Pass. That sort of thing. And it's grown, but it's, it was more than a hobby. It wasn't a business. It wasn't. I think I have like 170 subscribers. It was just about something that I enjoy doing. It wasn't about, I'm a YouTuber. That wasn't it.
0: Right. You just were having fun with it.
1: That's right. So then my wife said, get these things out of the garage. So now I'm thinking, I need a storage unit. So I go get a storage unit. I started with a 10 by 10 space. And sure enough, I filled it up because it wasn't just bikes. It was also... The wheels that I purchased from you, the controllers, the batteries, and a bunch of other stuff that was in the the storage unit. (laughs) So then I doubled the size of the storage unit because more bikes arrived. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I never forget one day two bikes arrived and my wife called me and said, when did you order these? And I honestly couldn't remember when I had ordered them. (laughs) And I got into trouble for that one. You know, there were two bikes that I had ordered six months earlier and they finally arrived and I couldn't remember. So oh,
0: That's pretty funny, I have to admit.
1: Yeah, it is kind of funny. And Now that I look back, it's, I think it's funny, but it didn't feel very good that day.
0: Probably felt a little bit like a bicycle addiction at that point.
1: Uh, yeah. This, you know the old saying that the first step in recovery is admitting you have a problem? I realized I have a problem. That
0: was the day.
1: <laughs> that was the day. So I ended up, increasing the size of the storage unit. I kept moving to larger spaces. So sometimes last year, I moved into a space that was a 10 by 35 and it's packed. I've got uh, bicycles, uh, I've got wheels, uh, I even have boxes because in case I need to ship something for someone, that sort of thing. So when I purchased the bicycle store, I realized that I need to do something. So I'm shutting down the storage unit. I'm moving everything to the bicycle store. It requires a lot of work here. I'm trying to rebuild this business. I'm trying to be part of the community It's in a new location. We moved it from the old location to a new location. So yeah, it got to the point that I realized that it may be a better idea to just buy a store than try to have a storage unit. <laughs>
0: that sounds like a smart move.
1: Uh, I hope so. I hope I don't regret it six, nine months from now.
0: Uh, I think uh, based on your story so far, (laughs) that's not going to happen. It sounds like you're into this for a while. And I think you're going to have fun with it.
1: Yeah. So I I have an objective. Somebody asked me, what is your first goal? What is it you want to do? And my goal was that I will never, ever have to go for a job interview ever again. If I can accomplish that, I think I've been successful. So that's my first goal. Awesome. I want to be independent, and I want to to help people, and I want to be part of the community and do something I enjoy, and I don't want to go back to the corporate life. I think I have a lot of great experiences that I can take advantage of and help people, but I want to do it for myself and for my family. So that's my primary goal. This is not about getting rich. This is not about having a lifestyle that's out of control. No, this is more about being part of the community, helping people, and providing for your family, and doing something that helps me both mentally and physically. And I enjoy doing. So that's what it's about for
0: me. So now you've got a store, and the name is still Best E-Bikes USA. Is that the name on the store?
1: Yeah, we kept it as Best E-Bikes USA. I'm contemplating, trademarking different names and so forth. That alone was also a journey from the moment I decided that I wanted to do this I actually had to go learn how to create a partnership, how to create a LLC, a corporation. And I learned the hard way getting a business license from the state and the city is not the easiest thing. It's not like you open up a website and you follow 10 steps and you're ready to go. (laughs) So yeah, it took me a while to figure those things out. I established a business relationship with a bank in order to run the business effectively. So yeah, that was the other thing I had to learn, the business side of the business, essentially.
0: Yeah, the not as fun part.
1: Yeah, so I'm hoping that in a month or so, I'll take care of all the infrastructure that I got to put in place. I have one employee right now as a store manager. Being in a wetter time in Denver with the snow, it's just snowing right now. This is a very slow time of the year for more bicycle shops.
0: Yes, this is the time for you to get prepared and get geared up for spring because it's going to come fast.
1: That's right. And, and that's the other thing. I'm sitting in a store right now by myself, and I don't anticipate anyone to walk in today because we got six inches of a snow last night, and it's just snowing. But it's my chance to take care of what I need to do to be ready for April, May, June when people want to ride and have products ready for that. So that's what I've been doing in the past couple of months, focusing on establishing a new business. I'm Frankly, I'm, I bought a business, which is like a head start. But what I'm finding out is I need to rebuild the business from scratch. So it becomes something that I'm proud of, something that I'm comfortable with, and something that I can add value with for the community.
0: And are there any... Specific changes or or improvements or things that you have in mind for it?
1: Yeah, so this store uh, it carried the higher end bikes, you know, starting with recent Mueller, uh, Stromer, high bike, and then there were some mid range bicycles they carried, and and these are all great brands. I don't think I want to carry as many brands as they had in the past. In one time, they had nineteen different brands of bicycles at the store. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't want to focus on products that consumers want. I want to narrow it down to like four or five brands. So you would have one of the higher-end bicycle brands for the person that wants the German uh, in highly engineered machine. But majority of consumers that I've talked to, they want bicycles that are in the 1500 to $2,500 range.
0: You want a more affordable price range to represent the store.
1: That's right. And I want to give them the products that they want, not the products that I want to sell.
0: Yeah, I think that's a smart move. I'm not going to name any names, but I have a, had a conversation months back with a very high-end e-bike brand. And I always thought that they sold a lot of bikes because of their online presence and, and the high price ticket <laughs> that they had on their bikes. But uh, come to find out... You know they were still shipping bikes overseas to the us one at a time. you know their volumes were so low, so it's like I was really eye-opening to see, oh, not many people are buying those high-end bikes. Yeah, they exist, but when you get down in like you said 2500 or less, then people are are much more interested because most people haven't ridden any bike before and, and they're not going to spend a whole bunch of money unless they've kind of tried it out. at least that's my opinion.
1: that's right. And, and as you and I both know. There are a lot of good quality products in that price range that people will enjoy riding. It doesn't have to be a seven thousand dollar bicycle for you to get the benefits. Right. Now, I would gladly sell a seven thousand dollar bicycle if somebody wants it. <laughs>
0: Wouldn't we all?
1: Yeah, but I'm finding out that most people want that lower price range. The other thing I wanna do in the store is I myself included, you know, I was one of the people uh Many people order these bikes online, and they are having difficulty getting service. Perfect example, you walk into a bicycle shop, a traditional bicycle shop, and many of the professionals that are owning the stores or running the stores are what I call legacy bicycle people. They're not fans of e-bikes, and they think it's cheating. I mean, they openly tell you that, and you're trying to buy their product, and they give you comments that frankly, are condescending. Example of it, I walked into a very large bike store. I won't mention the brand name, a couple of years ago. And there was a bike on display that was beautiful. I loved it. And I was going to buy it for my wife for her birthday. So I asked the gentleman who, was, who tried to help me. And I said, what can you tell me about this bike? What do you think about this bike? And the remark I got shocked me. The answer was, I will sell them, but I will never write them.
0: <laughs> that's not what you want to hear about a product that's for sale in your own store.
1: That's right. And I was ready to purchase this bike. So I said, thank you. And I walked out.
0: Yeah, I don't know how he would have expected that to go much different with that uh, answer that he gave you.
1: That's right. And I never have gone back to that store. And many of these stores are now carrying e-bikes out of necessity, not because they wanted to. They are carrying them because one out of three customers that walks in are asking about e-bikes, but their employees and the owners, they don't believe in it. They still think that you got to wear your spandex and you ride your road bike. And if you're not sweating after 10 miles, you're not doing it right.
0: Reminds me, there's kind of a parallel here with, I have seen it. I'm only saying this out of personal experience. This isn't uh, political or anything of that nature. But if you go to a car dealership and ask about an electric car, and I've done this <laughs> at a dealer not too far from here, and I got the car, but I literally had to tell them what I wanted and why. And I was like, I want this car, because they're like, well, we don't know anything about it. And even the dealers signing the paperwork are like, so this thing's just electric? It doesn't have a motor? They didn't even know what it was. And it was sitting on their lot. It was the craziest experience I ever had. So I just went in prepared and... Uh, I just didn't expect them to be prepared, and it was really interesting to see that that's happening with cars, and it's it's still happening with e-bikes. They're growing so fast, I would think these bike shops would get their act together and change, but I have seen the same thing that you're describing, unfortunately.
1: So one of my goals here is to have a place where anyone can walk in, and I want to be able to help them. I don't want to be condescending toward them that, what, do you want to do what with this bike? that you ordered online, and I only work on bicycles I sell. So one of my goals is to become a service center for the online bicycles, the Sondors, the Rad Power, Juice Bikes, FLX, and so on. Because frankly, these individuals purchase a bike, and they're having difficulty getting service. Now, I would have liked them if they had purchased my bike, but it doesn't mean I cannot support them. So that's one of my goals this year is to create an environment that anyone can walk in with their e-bike and we will support them. We will help them best way we can. And obviously I can honor the warranties. They have to get the parts from the manufacturer or I can reach out to the manufacturer. But at least I don't want them to be turned away. I want them to feel welcome to be able to bring in their bike and explain what the problem is and we will do our best to help them.
0: I love your approach. uh, Very similar to mine. Uh, If somebody brings another e-bike in and and I honestly have e-bikes in my shop right now that are waiting to be worked on or fixed that are not Bolton e-bikes and they're maybe two or three years old and literally the manufacturer or the company that sold them the bike says, well, that model's not supported anymore. And so they bring it to me to have it fixed. So I've got several other versions and brands of bikes in here being repaired because that's only going to happen more and more uh, as more of these companies pop up online and are shipping bikes around. And some of them support them and some of them just kind of phase things out and say, oh, well, you can buy the the newest one. But that doesn't really make sense for everybody.
1: That's right. So those are some of my goals. I'm contemplating creating a trade-in program where people can, even their non-e-bikes, You know, they they make the old analog bikes, the non-electrical bikes. If they want to bring it in and trade it in toward an e-bike, I would welcome that. Obviously, we have to figure out the financial aspect of it. Uh, And I'm trying to find channels that these bikes don't end up in a landfill and they end up going to either charities. They can have a new life. So those are some of the programs that I'm focusing on to implement here at the store and to put more people on e-bikes. That's my goal.
0: Awesome. Well, that sounds great. I'm sure you're going to have success with that just because it sounds like you're willing to help everybody and just be honest with them and just get them on e-bikes, whatever that takes.
1: (laughs) And I look forward to coming to you because you and I have worked together on a few bicycle projects. I want to come to you and I ask you to source some of the products I need in order to help these individuals so we can expand our presence beyond the bicycles that you carry or the bicycles I carry at the store so we can help people. And I think that's the community aspect of it.
0: Yeah, we can help each other with e-bikes instead of being viewed as competitors. Because I know there are people who are going to be in your area in Colorado who want to See and touch and ride an e-bike before they buy one, and I can't expect them all to travel to California to me to do that. Some of them will, surprisingly. I have people that do that, but that's kind of in the long run. That's a little bit ridiculous. Uh, it would be nice if they could just find somebody that's that's near them or in their own town. Uh, and if I can help you do that, I know that'll be reciprocated because if you come across somebody in California, you know you can always refer them to come to my shop. I think. If everybody did this, then there would be e-bikes everywhere that could be supported and operational and, and it would work for people. And we're not there yet, or the industry is not there yet. I think it'll get there, but it's going to take the right people and it's going to take some time.
1: So actually, you nailed it. That's the idea. So I would love to work with you. If you carry four models, have one of each on the floor as the demo bikes. And if somebody wants to come in, they can demo your bike. They can demo one of my bikes and whatever they decide to buy. We can help each other out and they can have it shipped directly to their house or they can have it shipped to the store and we'll assemble it for them. We'll tune it up and we charge a nominal fee for our services. They get their bikes. You get to ship your product. I get a new customer that I can support in a store and I'm not carrying a lot of inventory. So I think there are opportunities for companies like us to help each other out. That's a win-win, not just for us from a business perspective, but it's a great win for the consumer because they get to try it before they buy something the way you and I did several years ago, side on scene.
0: Right. Yeah. Because we just bought bikes online from crowdfunding campaigns or whatever. And and then the first time we ever really got to test it is when we pulled it out of the box and without knowing, is this thing going to work or not? We had to find out for ourselves.
1: That's right And I think a lot of people had bad experiences with it. So I think that's the part people like us, we can make a change. We can help people make informed decisions, but frankly try these things and if they choose to go with an online purchase, we support them. If they choose to take something from the showroom floor, we'll support them as well. And that's why it's important to have the bicycles that are in the right price range not the bicycles that I say they should buy or the manufacturers say they should buy.
0: You said something very similar to what I tell people often, and that is basically, if somebody comes to me, I don't try and sell them one of the bikes that I have, unless one of the bikes I have is what they actually need and what they want. If what they're looking for is not something that I offer then I'll refer them to a different company or a different type of e-bike and say, I'm sorry, I don't have that, but here's who does. And if I do that, I know they're going to be much happier with the e-bike they buy. And then they're going to tell their friends how happy they are with their e-bike instead of, well, I bought this one. It's not really what I wanted. That's not the kind of reaction we want to (laughs) hear when we ask people about their e-bikes and and how are they enjoying it. I want them to be just a hundred percent ecstatic and just Super excited to get out and go ride it.
1: That's right. And frankly, that's what matters it's the experiences and what people do with these products, not transactions that we conduct and we make whatever margins we're making. So, to me, the reason I'm in this, made this investment and make this change is because I want to promote those experiences. I want to be able to make a change that I feel good about and Frankly, I wanted it to get out of the stress that I was dealing with. I was selling this to my wife. I've been out of my old role job for two and a half months now. And guess how many times I have opened up a PowerPoint document since I left <laughs> that job?
0: <laughs> I'm going to guess zero on that one.
1: You got it. Zero. I enjoy Excel at spreadsheets and, you know, Word documents. Those are, but I don't want to sit in meetings where conversations and topics are discussed on the PowerPoint presentations. I don't want to be going from meeting to meeting all day long and come home exhausted with 500 emails waiting for me that I got to work on after dinner instead of spending it with my family. If I'm coming to store on a Saturday, I'm coming to store on a Saturday because we have a group coming here that they're going to go on a bike ride. Not because I'm going to work on a Saturday because a project is late, it's over budget, and We have to make difficult decisions that impacts people's lives. So yeah, I mean those are some of the things that you you choose what's important to you and for me it was more about the experiences and helping people than working in a company sixty hours a week, going from meeting to meeting and making more money, but not enjoy what I was doing.
0: Awesome. This all sounds Really good. I definitely hope uh, and wish for the best for your store and what's going to happen there. I think we're going to see some good things. Where can people go to either find your store, either in person or online, if they want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah. So the store right now is located in Denver, in Stapleton, Northfield area. There's a shopping center here. It's an outdoor shopping center. We're located in Stapleton Northfield. Our website is Best E-Bikes USA. all one word, FastEbikesUSA.com. I'm in the process of working with some of the people that I used to work with, the web developers, to revamp the website, to offer some bikes online, some bikes only in the store, promote our services. I'm also uh, trying to reinvent, rebuild the social media presence for the store. There's a Facebook group called uh, E-Bikes USA, which is more of a national group. You're one of our members. So that's not just for the store. That's just for e-bikes in general. For
0: anybody with an electric bike.
1: That's right. Anything with electric bicycle. And then there is E-Bikes USA, which is more of a store retail Facebook group. My YouTube channel, which I'm about to change the name right now is called Sondors Adventure Series. And that is being changed to Best E-Bikes USA or E-Bikes USA in the next few days. And I have to, frankly, learn about all the other social medias, the Instagrams and Twitter, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do, with them and all that. So I may be calling you to learn from you on some of that.
0: Well, if I have one piece of advice for that, it's to start with one and stick to it. I am not on all social media platforms because it's impossible for me to keep track of, or even understand how all of them work, to be honest. But I do my best with a few that I do know. So start simple, pick a few or or one even, and run with it.
1: Good advice. I think I'm going to focus on uh, the website and the Facebook for a while before I expand into other areas.
0: Well, good. Lots of changes coming up. It sounds like you've got a lot of work to do, but it's fun work, so that's okay. We like work that's fun and interesting i think it'll probably be a good idea we should maybe have you on the show at some point several months down the road to see how things have changed and see how the store is going once you're kind of getting through your first season of e-bike sales when the weather's nice i think it'll be interesting to see where you're at down the road
1: yeah i would, i'll look forward to that i have some ideas of where i want to go with it but i'm sure there'll be a lot of surprises along the way
0: <laughs> there always are well, thank you so much for being on the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Really love your story. Love where things are going and can't wait to hear more about it.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. And I would love it if you come visit us in Colorado. I'd love to go riding with you.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to keep that in mind. And, and if anybody's listening and you are in the Denver area, then definitely look him up. sounds like they're going to have uh, a good store and, and possibly some good group E-Bike rides in the area soon.
1: Thank you very much, Carl. It was a pleasure being on your podcast.
0: Wow. Didn't you guys think that that was just an amazing story about Hushman and his journey and how e-bikes have literally changed his life from his daily routine? Basically, he left his corporate job to go pursue, basically, in my opinion, having fun with e-bikes. I think that's just totally awesome. So if you're in the Colorado area, definitely go look him up and check out his store. Once again, that was episode number seven of the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. Now, remember that if you want to get notifications by email for this podcast, when new episodes come out, go to ebikepodcast.com. Once again, that's ebikepodcast.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. And if you'd like, you can always sign up for our other newsletters, which give you all sorts of information about e-bikes. So you can learn about the Bolton e-bikes YouTube channel, go to the Bolton e-bikes website and buy electric bikes, buy parts, or you can just get in touch with me and ask questions if you need help with your e-bike. Thanks again for listening to episode number seven. I will be back again soon.